0: like to welcome everyone back to the Duck Pond Wall, a little show here on WEHC where we sit and catch up with some folks we're kind of fascinated with. And today I'm very, very excited and very honored to have with me actually two guests at once because, you know, we're fancy. We can do two people at one time. So today my guests are Emory and Henry alumna Linda Woodward, Emory and Henry class of 1975, and Nancy Bollmeyer-Fisher. Nancy just happens to be the co-founder of a project called The Origin Project. And it's something I find to be just fantastic. And I'm excited to have both of you here to talk about it. Thank you, Linda and Nancy, for being with me.
1: Thank you, Monica. And thank you, Emory and Henry. We are, we're delighted to be with you. And we're, we're really, really always thankful to Emory and Henry. They've been so good to The Origin Project. And Monica has been so good to us. So here we are. So here
0: you are, and you know, and I'll uh, in full disclosure. So Nancy is coming to us
1: live and direct from California. You're in San Francisco this morning, is that right? I'm actually in Santa Barbara, but I do, I live in Barbara. San Francisco. I'm visiting my son in Santa Barbara.
2: Hey, so that explains the
0: different wall decoration behind it's you my son.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so so Nancy's in Santa Barbara, and Linda is hanging out in in Jonesville today. Is that right? Yes. All right. And I'm, I'm, we're sort of, we're going into a little deeper into Southwest Virginia for a few of these conversations because WEHC is expanding its signal into Wise County and deeper Southwest Virginia. So we're very excited to be able to highlight some folks over there. And this is like a good way to start because Nancy is your partner in the, in the Origin Project.
1: Partner is Adriana Trujani. Um, I, I have to assume that many of the people who are listening to this know who she is, but she is a native daughter of Virginia, Big Stone Gap, and uh, Adrienne and I uh, met each other and became friends several decades ago when <laughs> we both worked for Merrill Lynch. Uh, I actually worked for Merrill Lynch in London at the time. I was a bond trader, an international bond trader in London, and Avery was a temp to the head of government securities for Merrill Lynch uh, as she was writing uh, all kinds of things. She was a creative person, but she needed to make some money. So we met, uh, she actually booked my travel at that point. And then I moved back to New York, met her in person and we bonded almost immediately because this will sound odd but uh, she's obviously from Virginia. I'm from Wyoming, I'm from a little town Outside Yellowstone Park, my grandparents are buried in Custer's battlefield. And we bonded over the fact that we were both from towns, well, Powell is called a city, but they're about the same population. Big Stone Gap in Powell, Wyoming. Are almost the same population. She grew up in an Italian family. I grew up in an Irish family. And it turned out that I'm blonde, she's dark, you know, we're, we're like salt and pepper, yin and yang, whatever. But we are so completely bonded in a lot of the things that are most important to us. And we didn't talk about this project at the time, but we stayed friends for a long time after I left Wall Street. She and I left almost simultaneously. She, but at the time she was performing stand-up in the village. I used to go she may have even begun writing Big Stone Gap, but she was writing, she went on to continue to write, she Uh, wrote for the Cosby show. She did documentary. She became creative in so many ways. I left and uh, immediately wanted to do something kinder, gentler than uh, Wall Street. So I started working. My, My degree is in music therapy, working with autistic children. So I started volunteering in schools. And then I helped found a school for special needs children, largely autistic children. Then I had my son, And then my son was born in New York, but we ended up raising him mostly in San Francisco because we moved there. Then I became what Adri, what we, my bio calls me sort of an education advocate or activist because I went on a lot of boards. I helped uh, particularly found some projects for uh, deprived uh, children who, who have all sorts of challenges, economic challenges, racial challenges and uh, education challenges. So special needs children were always at the top of that. So long story short, Adrian and I stayed friends, close, close friends through those years. She had a daughter of a son and our kids, you know, because of our lives have had lots of advantages that we didn't have growing up in small towns. And also we are small town girls, Uh, big dreams that we exceeded our dreams but we both got together and said you know we need to do something together and she had this idea that she wanted to create a project in Appalachia to give kids just a journal I know we're people I'm holding up a journal Um, (laughs) and a pencil more or less and have them preserve the stories of their lives particularly the stories coming out of Appalachia but of course we've evolved and my stories came out of the Rocky Mountains and the area but it was Appalachia that was her idea I embraced it we got very excited about the project and then when she was shooting the movie Big Stone Gap she called me and said can you get on a plane and I said okay I guess and so I flew there while she was shooting. I was picked up at the airport and said, oh, I'm so excited to be in Appalachia. And oh, so no. that was the beginning of falling in love <laughs> with my home away from home, which is now Appalachia and Virginia. So, oh, yay! It started with 40 students in uh, uh, Big Stone Gap. And Linda is going to tell you more about how we've evolved since then, but that was a maybe too long story about how two girls from a very, very different background came together with a vision to help kids in isolated, you know, let's be honest, sort of isolated areas, challenging in many, many, many ways um, to be surrounded uh, first of all, to write about their stories, but one of the key parts was that Adri, because she had become a best-selling novelist herself at the time, was able to bring in best-selling authors, luminaries, other people, to uh, help these people understand that their stories are ever bit as important as any story that Adri ever wrote, and to find out about their family roots that they probably wouldn't necessarily dig for. And we started to help them understand our tagline is when you connect to the stories of your past, you're able to build your dreams for the future. And it's, oh, it's a like tagline, that. but it's really kind of the core of what we're talking about here. We well, can talk and- later about something that just happened in Richmond, but the authors talked about everyone has a story. And that was our general idea. Everyone has a story and your story is just as important as anyone else's. So that's yeah. it.
0: Well that would you I think you just answered like about 7 of my questions and so okay. that's perfect. Linda can that take just, over now. No, 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 we're going to but I want to go back for just a minute. Of all the things that you and Adri could have done together tell me was there a conversation about we you know we want this to be a writing project. We want this to be something that that gives kids a chance not only to to know their families better and to understand themselves better. But we want it to be a writing project. Was that important to both
1: of you? Oh, absolutely. And and shall I say, Adrian and I do other things together. We 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 have we're both women of causes, you know, mission is is very important to us. So we do other things. This is obviously, you know, front and center and really has become the center of our lives in many, many ways. But yes, because of obviously writing is Adrienne. I mean, that was, that was largely her, but I also am penning a book. I've been working for for many, many times. I've written some things, but we believe that writing is an essential part of success in life. And we know that again, our kids both went to private schools, but we know that public schools because of standardized testing. And we were very concerned about the fact that kids don't get enough Um, opportunity for creative writing Mm -hmm. and we feel like right without writing there's just no real success in life and and it goes from you know when you're in first grade all the way through to writing your college essay if you choose to go to college and beyond a job application everything and so we felt writing is kind of an essential part of life and that was it and of course Adri want wanted to and I agree with this instill a love of writing if possible if not a love at least not a fear of writing. And through the years, and Linda could address this much more because she's a teacher, but kids are afraid of writing. And we wanted Mm -hmm. to help them not be afraid Mm -hmm. that, you know, they, their writing can be a way for them to um, unload some of the things that good and bad that are in their head and their heart.
0: Well, you know, writing, it's sort of a personal act and to put it out there for a teacher or the public to judge that is very intimidating and also you ask them to tell their own stories which is super personal and you know one of the things that I have marveled at is they really do I mean they tell you stuff that I cannot imagine kids admitting or tell them anybody else about they really do tell you their stories and you know that's that's important on a million different levels I would think for kids in any community, but in a a smaller community, like you're saying, I would think that getting them to talk about themselves and what's important to them and what their lives are like and what their hopes and fears are, that's pretty huge. Do you find that, do the teachers involved have a hard time getting them
1: to that level of openness? Linda, I'll say briefly, it's an evolution. And believe me, the kids are writing differently in the book nine, which is this year than they did in book one. But uh, Adri was very specific about the little journal we give them, much of that can remain confidential if they choose to keep it that way. But -hmm. of course we want more because we want to make them published authors. That's another component I didn't discuss. But Linda, you talk about it because you uh, at the beginning, and by the way, we should say immediately, the Origin Project would simply not exist without Linda Woodward. Linda joined us right after our first year where we struggled, stumbled and all kinds of things by ourselves. But because but, Adri's in New York and I'm in San Francisco and we travel there often, we need Linda on the ground. But beyond way, way, way beyond that, Linda had done her own version of the Origin Project at her school when she was teaching. And she was an inspiration to us about moving into younger with younger kids. So, Linda, talk. Please talk about this, because you first of all, you've done it. You've lived it. You live in the community. You know, the challenges of getting kids to talk about Mama on tap and you know uncle whoever and the coal mine and everything else that we have in our books
2: I think a lot of the reason the children will open up is they're not writing about test taking uh, prompts and and of course the origin project is integrated into the teacher's curriculum it's not extra work it's not an extra task to do the the child school has certain things they have to do. But if if the teachers integrate the program as they collaborate with the the things that we offer into the curriculum, they make it grade level appropriate. You know, the children are writing on their own level. They're revising on their own level. And there's just many things to offer the students to help inspire them. Um, Grade appropriate heritage presentations, Field trips, the guest authors we Zoom has been a, a wonderful friend during the pandemic. Uh, Nancy and, and Adri have exposed the kids to many guest author, authors that way, and now we do that with field trips. Teachers off inspire the kids to talk to their parents, maybe have interviews, and also bring in artifacts and photographs and things to write about. And teachers, we hope we in our professional development. Uh, groups we talk to them about sharing those things themselves modeling right the how to be inspired by the things like a a, a picture of your grandmother an in, in example I used a picture of my grandmother who was wearing a hat I'd never seen her in hats <laughs> but I discovered an old picture about that and and that brought the children to a different level of how to write write about that right
0: uh, well, and I'm glad to hear you say that about the fact that it's 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 integrated into what the teachers do because you know there's so much going on anyway that one more thing feels like a lot sometimes. So so they're able to include this in, in their curriculum.
2: Absolutely. When the when the students are are writing in their journals, uh, uh, writing maybe about something they brought from home or an interview. Some of the younger younger classes do interviews around Thanksgiving and Christmas and the children um, perhaps will interview the oldest person they know. And um, then when they start putting that into a, a more formal format, the teacher might talk to them about the prepositions or the adjectives that they've been working on in, in right. English class. And, and it, this is not something for the best writers in the school. It, it is grade appropriate, inclusion students, any special needs students, everyone has a voice be That's shared. That's
0: fantastic. That's um, fantastic. And how many, uh, Linda, how many schools are participating right now?
2: We have uh, 26 schools across the state of Virginia and one in Tennessee, in Bristol, Tennessee. So
0: roughly and, how many students?
2: And approximately 2,600 students. Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. We have grades two through 12. That's fantastic. That's fantastic.
0: Well, and Nancy, you you alluded to some of the special guest stars. I know I've told this story often about the fact that the first time I really went to an Origin Project event, the guest speaker was Margot Lee Shetterly, who wrote Hidden Figures, which was just fantastic. Um, rattle off some of the other names that you've that that you've been able to bring to students and teachers, because let's face it, the teachers get excited to meet these folks too.
1: Well, um, Jared Krasowska was right before our, we had to go into uh, isolation <laughs> as we did. And he was right there with you. And he was absolutely fantastic. His book addressed uh, the opioid situation and it spoke volumes to a lot of the people um, in the area. Some of the people from the kids from Northern Virginia came. So he was absolutely fantastic. Meg Woolitzer has been with us, a wonderful poet named Lori Eustace. Um, We've had illustrators, we've had writers, just uh, in Richmond, we just had a literary festival to celebrate our 10th anniversary. David Baldacci spoke to our students, and that was absolutely very poignant because David Baldacci was our first author um, when he came with us to our 49th graders, and then he was back there for our 10th. And then um, Jocelyn Nicole Johnson was with us. She has an incredible book. My Monticello, which is out right now. So she spoke to the students. And then on and on and on. But that is uh, Barbara Kingsolver has spoken to our students, not officially, but at various coffee events, and she's guided them in smaller events because I I think most people around here know she's local. Um, We're hoping that she's going to be back with us there um, later in the year because she has an extraordinarily important book out right now. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh,
0: gosh. Yeah. Kind of. I I mean, there
1: are many others, and and I could go on and on. Well, let me just
0: tell you, I'm just finishing up Jocelyn Nicole Johnson's book, and it is unbelievable, truly unbelievable, and and they're getting ready to make one of those stories into a a movie on Netflix, and so it's just, it's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, l- let me just remind everybody real quick who we're speaking with today. I have two guests today, Nancy Boldmeyer Fisher, who's joining us from California in Santa Barbara today, and Linda Woodward, um, Emory and Henry, class of 1975, who is joining us from from lean county Virginia today Uh, they both work with the origin project Linda is what I like to call the boots on the ground for the project and Nancy is one of the co-founders her other co-founder is Adriana Trigiani from Big Stone Gap Virginia she liked it so much she wrote a book about it as a matter of fact so um, we're glad to have them talking with us today about all of this and Well, let's talk just a little bit about outcomes, if we could. You've certainly talked to a lot of students and talked to a lot of teachers along the way. What sort of thing, let's start with the teachers. And so Linda, I'll make you answer this one. What sorts of things do you hear from from teachers about how this program and how this project um, influences their kids?
2: Well, it is very common for us to, to hear someone say, parents, teachers, and students, that it literally has changed, participation has literally changed their lives. We hear that about elementary students. We hear that about high school students. We hear that from our college students. I have something to read. We've just recently heard uh, some comments from some of our teachers, and I wanna read just a couple sentences from one of the teachers. There's nothing better than seeing students flip with trembling fingers through the volume, our anthology, to find their name published among many local students, A smile quickly spreads across their faces. I can see the revelation to their eyes. What I have to say matters. This is the joy that the Origin Project brings to students across the state of Virginia every day.
0: Oh, gosh, that's cool.
2: Yeah, I have one more I'm going to read. Marginalized students who may have felt like what they have to say doesn't matter all of a sudden have an activity that values what they have to say. Many of the students that have gone through our origin project have gone on to be leaders at their universities. Some coming back to mentor current top members. Their writing evolves during the year. Some of it requires quality conversations with family members, learning about their past and instilling more pride that as they've entered into the project. This gives the students resiliency.
0: Oh, resiliency! I yes. like that because that's something that I'm here. I hear that word a lot yes. uh, post-pandemic, and so that's uh, that's actually kind of a cool thing to hear. And Nancy, I'm sure that you have heard some stories, and I know I remember vividly when uh, when Jerry Krasoska was here. Of course, he told a very per, his very personal story about um, dealing with a family that had um, opioid addiction, and I just happened to be standing in the right place to watch kid after kid come up to him and say, that's my story. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think in in some ways, just just finding an adult who is cool and successful and and writing his or her own stories um, has got to be helpful to to students as they try to figure out how to tell their own. But tell me, tell me some of the stories that you've heard from students that has really stuck
1: with you. Well, that's really important because Jared, um, you know, the moment he stopped talking, the stage was kind of flooded with people. We had a, a similar um, situation when Lori used to stalk, And this was a very, this was a tricky one to do because she, uh, her son had committed suicide. And so we were very careful in how she discussed it and the audience. And we let the parents and teachers know ahead of time what we were talking about. But the moment she ended, it was exactly the same. The stage was flooded with people who wanted to talk to her and wanted to talk to him about the opioid situation because our students in Southwest Virginia and now up in Northern Virginia have these stories in their family. And oftentimes their families don't talk about it. And sometimes the kids don't even talk to their parents about it, but they're able to find a way when we bring these people who have written successfully about their own personal trials, that kind of thing. So of course we have that And then we have simpler things, the little kids, sometimes the presentations alone are the most delightful things you could possibly imagine. We have the kids read at unveilings or at, um, in their school classes or at graduations and give them books. And some of the little ones are quivering and terrified. And yet they wrote about Peppa or their grandfather or whatever, and he's out in the audience. And you can see tears running down the face of the grandfather as the little child is reading about it. And then you have older kids who, who Linda's read these letters of support from our teachers that that are really in marginalized situations and really m- m- some of them are are English language learners and so they're not only writing in not their native tongue, but they're able to express something that they never expressed before, and now um, we have 10 years so we now have all kinds of stories. And each year we have an alumni section and we almost always have a separate section if we have room of something called Why the Origin Project Matters. And we're, it's just overwhelming to see what our students say about if Linda said it changed their lives and how things have changed for them and the alumni come back and say they to this day still go back to that experience whether it was one year or two years or three years of writing for the origin project and then of course we have also sad legacies of people who wrote about their grandmother and they put a a recipe for a cake that she made and she now has gone on to her her eternal reward and then sometimes we repost it for them oh, so, you know they're just lovely lovely small and huge stories that come out of this we have actually
2: had some of those pieces read at burials and funerals families oh, have requested very- the child or the young person okay. to read I, I know three it that's
0: great. Well, you you know, how many times had you lost a family member? And somebody says, I wish we had sat down with her
1: before this happened.
0: You know, Oh, how many times? I will tell
1: you, the first year when we were at Union High School, and David Beldocher, I was sitting in the back of the room, and I had tears going down my face, it's <laughs> kind of weren't there yet, because they were, you know, 15 to 17 years old. But he was saying, I wish I'd asked my mom this. Yeah. I wish I'd done that. And those are the kind of things that through the years, our kids really, really, really are like, I'm not going to go talk to my grandfather about that or whatever. And then they go and they love it. And they establish stories and relationships with members of their family that really opened up something that maybe, and I I will say this, honestly, Adrienne and I, we had dreams. We always have had big dreams. We definitely exceeded our dreams in terms of what these kids and teachers can do for us and for each other.
0: What are your long-term goals for the? I mean, what what's your greatest hope? That do you, are you about the size you want to be? Do you want to add more schools? Do you what do you what are your long-term term goals for the for the Origin Project?
1: Oh, we definitely want to be larger. There's no I, we, we, and we didn't expect even to be here, but it's it's an evolution every single year. Again, Linda keeps track of this, it's like herding cats. It's an unbelievable thing to even figure out the number of students we have. And if we have 2,600 now, uh, we could have 1,500 submissions or we could have 3,000 or more. So it's very, very hard uh, to know where we're going. Um, Funding is always key. Uh, We would be much, much bigger than we are if we had more funding because funding would allow us to open up more schools. We always have a waiting list. And it also would allow us to possibly have, you know, pay Linda more, pay Rhonda. We should talk about Rhonda. Rhonda's our special advisor for technology and evaluation. She's um, in Northern Virginia. She's also a retired administrator and pay them more and or hire some extra people who could assist us. So we're in a holding pattern for right now, although we continue to grow each year. I mean, each year it's a, it's a bit larger. Then of course, This is critically important. We expect to grow. Adrian and I talk about this in in what we would call our strategic planning phase, which is rather loose. But um, we need to get our collaborators to help us grow this program. That would be you at Emory & Henry. That would be our other collaborators, like uh, the Birthplace of Country Music, Library of Virginia. Uh, We have collaborators that really, really help us. They help us with, with functions. They help us, you are going to help us with a program we're trying to work where we can put our students together. The Library of Virginia has been critical with this. We're probably gonna have a collaboration possibly with George Mason University for something else having to do with writing. And so those collaborators, we believe, will help us lead our way to making this larger. And I don't think I can honestly tell you what that means right now because organic. (laughs) (laughs) It just has to be what it has to be. If we learned anything in the last two years, it's to live in the moment and do the best you can and just carry on.
0: I like that, actually. You hinted at the fact that we're getting ready to do something kind of cool with Emory and Henry. You guys are going to team up with the Watershed Project, Uh which aims to tell a different story of Southwest Virginia history and Southwest Virginia culture um, that would include all of the stories perhaps not included before um, from the African-American community, from the natural world, lots and lots of different stories that have not been included when we talk about the history of Southwest Virginia. And that's kind of what your project is about. It's about, you know, kids have heard the basics around the coffee, table around their dinner table, but you're asking them to ask harder questions and to dig a little deeper and find out the the real stories. And so that's a really exciting um, collaboration that I'm looking forward to hearing more about. And One of the things that I guess I wanted to say too, in just observing the last event that you all did at the Library of Virginia in Richmond, the audience was filled with all these kids from Southwest Virginia and Northern Virginia and they were the most wonderfully diverse-looking bunch of kids, and it was so great. It was a reminder of what our students look like in Virginia right now, and it is, was a wonderful reminder that it is not one voice, and it is very many, many kind of voices. And that was that is very cool that you've got so many kids participating.
1: That is one thing that happened after Adrienne and I had our dream, and it was a very, very conscious decision and, and thought, very thoughtful decision to leave Appalachia to enter, you know, to allow students from Northern Virginia, because we don't ever want anyone to think that Appalachia is not our route. Appalachia is the root uh, It is the basic reason for the Origin Project. But what happened organically, when this one school, which we Got because of Rhonda Carper in in Manassas. It changed the whole fabric. I call it a tapestry because the diversity uh, in all ways, uh, uh, socioeconomic, ethnic, and and learning, all of the diversity came by opening that door. And it's been a benefit to all the kids all over the Commonwealth of Virginia. And Virginia, I didn't know until I came here 10 and a half years ago, is a magnificent place that is full of all kinds of different faces, voices. And that's what I think the Origin Project I'm the most proud about, is that we just are are getting voices and representation from such an incredible uh, cross-section of this wonderful place, Virginia.
0: Oh, and we're going to end on that because that was great because I would agree with you that also Appalachia is also many, many voices and if it makes you guys feel any better. I want to tell you both that just Two days ago, I had a conversation with someone that I shared seventh grade with, and we both spoke lovingly of our teacher who introduced us to what Appalachia was, made us interview our grandparents, and talked about traditions and culture in Southwest Virginia that we never would have paid attention to without that teacher. So I promise you, as a very old person, that you are you were you were influencing people mightily and positively. And I thank you for the great work that you're doing. Nancy Bullmeyer Fisher and in, in in California and and Linda Woodward in Lee County, thank you both so much for being our guest today on the Duck con Wall.
1: Thank you, Monica.
0: Thank you so much. And we'd like to thank everyone for listening this evening to the Duck Pond Wall, and we're especially happy to welcome new friends as the Emory & Henry campus radio station expands to become WEHC Emory, W-I-S-E-F-M wise.